Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan Podcast. And today we're here with Jim Dew, and he is the founder and CEO of Dew Wealth Management. And this is going to be a really exciting conversation because today we're going to be talking really about investments and what do they call them? Family offices, totally spaced it there, but family offices, which is a really cool, unique method that the billionaires are using to make more money that has now really become available to younger entrepreneurs. And as a lot of you have, you know, you've hit a million dollars and you've stagnated. I feel like this is going to be a great conversation that's going to help you kind of get your mind on what you could be doing with your money next. So Jim, say what's up to everybody. Let's hop in. Hey everyone. Great to be here, Josh. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's going to be great. So Jim, the first thing I want to ask you is about family offices. I mean, obviously that's the topic of conversation, but it's something that, I mean, billionaires are doing to make more money. And how is that becoming available to younger entrepreneurs because most places won't even let you invest unless you're an accredited investor. So <laughs> let's, let's tell Very that. true. Very true. So I learned about family offices about 15 years ago, and I've been in this career serving entrepreneurs for 25 years, but at, I had a couple big moments in my career. And one was when I realized about five years into the industry that really banks, brokerage firms, insurance companies, and banks are not set up to really good, give good advice. They're set up to make profits for their shareholders. And in addition, they really don't specialize in working with entrepreneurs who have their own set of problems and opportunities. When I realized that, I realized that I was an entrepreneur and at the urging of my wife, Mimi, we started our own company 21 years ago. So about 15 years ago, when I thought I knew everything there was to know about wealth management for entrepreneurs, I heard about this concept called a family office. And I was intrigued because it sounded like a level above what I was doing with my clients. So I was lucky enough to get introduced to a billionaire family in New York. I hopped on a plane, flew out there and met with the CEO and we just hit it off. You know, sometimes you meet someone and you just feel like you're old friends or you just knew each other, you know, brothers from another mother or something like that. Kind and of this conversation, Jim. I mean, come on. <laughs> kind of like you and me. I was thinking the same thing. You and me, Jim. So it's we're, <laughs> after, well, after a two and a half hour breakfast, he said, look, Jim, if you want to stay and see our systems and our processes, happy to show you. And so I was obviously wanted to do that. And just for the listeners, if you haven't heard of the term family office, it's what billionaires do to manage their wealth. And it's where they'll hire all the needed tax, legal, insurance, and investment professionals, the accountants, the attorneys, all as full-time employees working for that one billionaire and his or her family. I was convinced after spending a week with those folks that it was the best system, the best way to manage wealth for entrepreneurs. But there was just one catch, and that is you need about $300 million of liquid assets before you can build your own virtual, before you can build your own family office. And that's why it's kind of the billionaires club. But I thought to myself, well, I wonder if I could build something, call it a virtual family office for entrepreneurs who are doing very well. They have successful businesses, but they don't yet have that kind of money. And that was kind of the mission. And we've been really working to execute on that vision for the last 15 years. And we feel like we get better and better every year at, at doing that for our entrepreneur clients. Yeah. And I love that because it's, I mean, so my wife actually works at a, uh, um, a family office here and they're, they're multiple billions of dollars in real estate. Um, and it's funny to watch these, these companies because 
it's not like investing in the S&P 500, you know, you're getting returns of eight to 10%. I mean, we're, we're talking 100%, 200%, 300% returns every year where they're just growing, growing their money because A, they have the money, but they have a whole team of people managing that money for them. And I think the problem that a lot of us, you know, who haven't gotten $300 million <laughs> liquid cash, you know, I mean, finding the right people to manage your money without getting it taken out from under you is, is kind of scary. It's hard to trust the right people to do it. So, I mean, for you guys, Jim, being in that industry and, and working with these virtual family offices, what's, what's really the difference between that and like setting up a trust fund? Well, big difference, you know, setting up a trust fund is usually setting up a fund for whether it's future generations or asset protection or things of that nature. A virtual family office is really taking care of all the deep advanced planning that needs to happen in areas of tax, legal, insurance, and investment. And really, there's three really outcomes that you want to work toward that the family office structure gives you, both for billionaires and for clients we work with. And that's absolute confidence in your team of professionals helping you in all those areas, maximizing your wealth both inside and outside your business. So maximize the wealth of your business so that when you exit, you're going to get the maximum value after tax. And then also maximizing your money outside of your business in investments that can be things like real estate, private equity, or stocks and bonds. And then the, the, the third piece is having a plan for sustained wealth because it's a different skill set to build businesses and make money than it is to manage money and have a plan for sustainable wealth. So think about those three major outcomes and that's what a family office structure can do for you. Yeah, so I, I do have a question for you. Um, Tony Robbins wrote a book. Uh, what was that book called? Master in the Money Game. I think so. No, it was his other one. He just wrote it not too long ago. About oh, yeah, yeah. He, that's, that was his 800-page one that he wrote before and then he wrote another one recently. Yeah. And I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I literally wrote it down just a little. I can't either. I read it, but I can't remember the title. Maybe it <laughs> oh, wasn't sorry, that. Memorable. Tony. Yeah. I'm sorry, totally Tony. Listen to this podcast, right? So. I'm sure it was amazing. I just don't remember. It. <laughs> well, so basically the, the premise of the book though, is saying you should be the one managing your own money. And I'm kind of curious and I'm, I'm not trying to just contradict you here. I just, I'm curious what your thought is in relation to solo management versus doing a family office. Well, in a family office, you can have solo management. So one thing just to make clear is that what I believe is that investment management has a lot of different ways you can do that. And it doesn't, shouldn't be tied to the same firm that's building your virtual family office. So for example, we, that's an optional service, investment management. A lot of wealth management firms require you to invest a certain amount of money with them or buy products for them. And we believe that that's just one of many parts of a virtual family office. So if, for example, you know real estate really well and you want to manage your own real estate and that's your wealth outside your business, no reason why you can't do that. Let's say you're really comfortable managing your wealth at a discount brokerage. No reason why you can't do that. But you need someone to coordinate all the efforts on the tax, legal insurance and investment. But you could be the investment manager or you could have an investment, investment manager who's not the same people who are creating your virtual family office. So it's kind of one of the many pieces is the investment piece. You do need to know what's going on and have checks and balances, but you really shouldn't be doing some of the work where you're not an expert and to where you'd be better off building your business and living your best life than focusing on how to understand insurance policies or what your legal documents should look like or talking to the, getting the attorney and the accountant to talk together. Having that coordinated effort really takes a lot of experience and a team 
approach and you want to work with someone who's built those high functioning teams for many years, they'll just do it better than you'll do it. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate that synopsis because I mean, the reality is that, you know, if, if you're a smart business person in general, you would, you would stop trying to do everything yourself. <laughs> It'd be hand everything that you can over to somebody who's more specialized in it. And, and I love that you guys are doing that in a way that's like, you're basically managing the flow of money so that it, it increases and it's protected. And that's, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I think that's one of the biggest, scariest unknowns. You know, you're like, well, what, what if I have, you know, a, a $400,000 tax bill show up and I'm like, ah, what do I do? Right. You, nobody wants that, that moment, you know, when you have a ridiculous tax bill hit you. Um, so, you know, Jim, when it comes to, to building these family offices, at what point in your business do you feel like you should build this? I would say absolutely when you're more than a million EBITDA, which is a million profit. That's at the point where the tax benefits and the planning and the asset protection and the insurance planning, all of that is going to have a benefit that is going to far surpass the cost of building one. If you're on track to get there, let's say you're at half a million of profit and you're going to be there within 12 to 24 months, that's when you should start doing research and considering it. And then certainly well beyond that, you know, if you're doing two, three, four million dollars of EBITDA or profit or five or 10, you, if you haven't done it yet, you want to build a structure like this. Yeah. Love that. And, and I, I really think that a lot of people, they get scared of this kind of stuff, right? It's how oh, I'll deal with it later. But I mean, I love for, you know, the way you're putting it is like when you pass that million dollar mark, that's really the point for most people when they're like, wow, I don't really know what to do with my money, right? Like, how, how do we invest another $500,000 into our company to grow it? For example, you know, a lot of people listening to this are trying to scale and scaling requires money <laughs> it requires investment. So I love that. So I do want to change directions here a little bit, Jim. I mean, it's obviously still in the same, the same vein, but um, one of the reasons I brought you in was to talk about the ostrich, the juggler and the air traffic controller, which if you were like me, you're like, how on earth do those even relate to each other? So <laughs> let's hop in. <laughs> Yeah. So it's something that I created. I call the wealth mastery matrix. And this is where wealth management can be easy or hard and it can be excellent or it can be poor as far as your results. So a picture kind of a four square matrix. And in the upper left-hand corner of that four square matrix is where wealth management is easy, but the results are poor. And that's the ostrich. So the ostrich is the entrepreneur that will say things to me like, you know what, Jim, I'm just going to worry about building my business and making more money and all that wealth management stuff. I'm just going to let that take care of itself. That's the ostrich. In the lower left-hand corner is the juggler. And that's where wealth management is hard because you're not ignoring it. It's where you're trying to manage everything on your own. And so the juggler, it's hard and the results are usually poor because you're trying to do all these things as an entrepreneur that really you don't have expertise in. Then in the lower right-hand quadrant, that's the air traffic controller. So the air traffic controller is the entrepreneur who has excellent advisors, an excellent CPA, an excellent attorney, an excellent insurance agent, excellent advisors around him or her. But the entrepreneur is the one managing all of those relationships. So just like the air traffic controller, it's very stressful. You have to watch everything. And if you're not paying attention, something could crash. But you can get excellent results being the air traffic controller. It's just probably not your best use of time and energy. And then finally, the upper right quadrant, which is where wealth management is easy and the results are excellent, is the family office structure. So I would say identify where you are. And sometimes entrepreneurs, you might be straddling a couple of those boxes. On some things, you might be the juggler and on other things, you might be the ostrich. So if you're, if you're 
one foot in each box, that can happen as well. But you want to move toward a family office structure because that's going to get you the best control, the best clarity, the best peace of mind, and also the best life because you're not going to have to do all the things it takes to put this together. And you're going to have people representing you that are looking out for your best interest who are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, I think that's one of the, the number one problem for most entrepreneurs is saying like, who do I hire? Um, and, and just seeing how intimidating that is like, wow, I'd have to have accountants and lawyers and all this stuff. I mean, most of the people that we talk to hit seven figures don't even have a lawyer yet. <laughs> and, yeah, and I would say that probably I call this the linchpin partner. If you, you know, my friend Ben Hardy just wrote a book called who not how and who, if you can find the right who, it's much easier than trying to figure out the how. And the most important who when you're building a virtual family office is what we call the linchpin partner. And this is typically someone from wealth management who has three distinct qualities. So just to give you an analogy, if you were in a war-torn country and you were trying to get through a minefield, to get through that minefield, you'd want to hire a local, but not just any local, a local with three distinct qualities. First, specialized knowledge about that particular minefield. Not just minefields in general, but that particular minefield. Second, experience. Someone who's walked that particular minefield a thousand times. And then third, a standard of care where that local cares more about you getting through that minefield even than themselves. So if you find that local, you just walk in their footsteps, you get through the minefield. Right. Same thing with building a virtual family office. You need to find a linchpin partner, someone in wealth management with three distinct qualities. First, a specialization, because entrepreneurs have different problems and opportunities than W-2 wage earners, than people who inherited their money, than professional athletes, different. So you need someone with specialization. Easy to figure that out. All you have to do is go on the website of, your, of the wealth manager. And if they say, we serve business owners and people who inherited their money and professional athletes and doctors, and right, you know they're not specialists, they're generalists. They'll work with anybody who, you know, and that's most financial advisors are generalists. Second experience, also easy to figure out how long have they been doing these types of structures. And then third, a fiduciary standard of care, which is a fancy legal term that means they put your interests ahead of their own. How do you tell someone's a fiduciary? Well, most wealth managers are dual registered. And what that means is sometimes they're wearing a hat. Actually, Tony Robbins talked about this in an interview he did with Lewis Howes after he wrote Master the Money Game. So part of the time they're wearing a hat representing you. And then part of the time they're wearing a hat representing a brokerage firm, broker dealer, or a product. But they don't often tell you when they're switching hats. Really, you want someone who always represents you as a fiduciary, but here's how it plays out in a way that you can understand as a listener. Make sure you hire someone who doesn't sell products, who doesn't take hidden commissions, who doesn't take referral fees, kickback, or revenue sharing. Because you want them only to get compensated in a transparent way that you understand, and by the way, that they don't have some required investment minimum where you have to give them investments to hire them. I think that's the ideal situation for a linchpin partner. And then also, as I said, a long history of building these types of virtual family offices, because a lot of wealth management folks will talk about kind of being your quarterback. But in my experience, often what that means is they say, here's a good estate attorney. Here's a good CPA. Here's a good insurance agent. 
And that's a siloed approach. What you want someone who's actually saying, okay, I will call the attorney, I'll call the CPA, I'll coordinate everything. And then we'll bring you on once we've vetted all the different strategies and tactics so you can make a good decision. But they represent you 100% of the time and they get paid accordingly because transparency is really important in this type of uh, strategy. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, so my question for you is where do you, where do you find people like that? Because I mean, if you're on LinkedIn, you probably get hit up 25 times a day <laughs> by wealth planners who work for like Northwestern. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a few, a few ways you, you find people like that. So one way is if you, get recommend, I mean, I would ask around, right? So ask for people who have, who know who builds virtual family offices for entrepreneurs. Uh, another way is once you find those folks or are, are introduced, I check their website. That's, that's the way you tell if they're a specialist, because if they say they work with, you know, six different types of people, they're really generalists. And I think entrepreneurs are better off with specialists. You can go on regulatory websites like FINRA broker check or the SEC advisor info search and those can help you find if they show up on FINRA and it doesn't say I'm, I'm moving you now to a different website, then they're probably a dual registered advisor. So really when you look them up, if it says broker and investment advisor, they're dual registered. If it just says investment advisor, then that means they could be a fiduciary in that sense of the word, but then you also want to find out, do they sell products? Do they take referral fees? Do they, do they get paid in other ways? Uh, and then just, I would say, looking at what they do for clients, because building a virtual family office is a very specific infrastructure. And I can tell you from experience, we skinned our knees a lot over the years, figuring out how to run those very efficiently and effectively. And we've made lots of mistakes. You don't want someone figuring it out with your whole life in their hands, so to speak. Yeah. It's hard for those people because they have to start somewhere, but you're like, don't start with me, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't want to be the first, the first open heart surgery for that surgeon, right? Exactly. Yeah. And money is just about as uh, dangerous as that. So, <laughs> well, you know, Jim, we've covered a lot of different topics here and I want to ask you, what would be kind of your first action steps that you would give people if they wanted a quick win in this area? Quick win. So I would say, several things. And I would break it down to the three main areas that you should be concerned about, protect, manage, and grow. So maybe I can just run through and give them a quick one on each. So so under protect, first thing I would say is make sure you have the right liability protection and insurance for your business. So one of the areas we see a lot of lacks on is employee practices liability, EPLI. There are more and more lawsuits from employees against employers things like discrimination and wrongful termination. So read through that and look for anything that is an exclusion. Like for example, we had a client recently who there was an exclusion in their EPLI that said, if you contribute in any way to the consumption of alcohol, you have no coverage. And we asked them and they said, well, yeah, we throw a holiday party every year and we give out drink tickets to the people who attend. So, well, you know, there's things you can do to mitigate that, but you also should make sure you have coverage in your EPLI. So make sure you have the right liability protection on that. That's an easy win. Another thing is make sure you have a personal umbrella that's big enough on your auto and home and check to make sure that that umbrella also has named your family trust as an additional insured because often that gets missed. So there's a couple quick protection strategies. Now you can also go to a much higher level, which is entity design and trust structure. And there's a lot of advanced things that you should think about under protect. 
under manage, the first thing I would do is evaluate your current players. So think about all the professionals that are working with you currently and evaluate them. And I, I call it the five eyes of poor advice. So you want to look for inattention. Like, are they responsive? Are they proactive? Do they reach out to you with ideas? Uh, ignorance. There's a lot of professionals that know a little more than you, but they don't know that much. Um, indoctrination. So sometimes you work with professionals who are indoctrinated in a certain system and they see the world through one perspective. Uh, let's see, what were my other two eyes? Incentives is a huge one. Find out how people are getting paid and why. And then incompetence. We see a lot of bad work, but really start looking at your professionals and find one good professional that you can that you can really make sure you have an A player and then start getting those professionals to talk to each other. Also under manage, we would say is start thinking about your exit. Every entrepreneur exits their business and that's whether it's because you die and get disabled or because you sell to a strategic or financial buyer or you give it to your kids or you sell it to your employees or you get beat by competition. Every entrepreneur is gonna exit their business and start thinking ahead three to five years in advance at least about how you wanna exit so you get the best tax and asset protection outcome. So that's things like gifting shares into a Nevada trust can be an asset protection strategy. Or things like qualifying for 1202 stock treatment where if you hold for five years and you qualify $10 million or 10 times basis is excluded at sale, $10 million at a 20% capital gains bracket is a $2 million savings. So start thinking in advance on the exit planning. And then undergrow the first and biggest part is tax planning. Having a well thought out annually updated and implemented tax plan is critical. Most CPAs I found are tax historians. They take all the information, they put it in the right places, they tell you what your estimated payments are, but they're not proactively looking at the P&Ls and your taxes every quarter and reaching out to you and saying, hey, these are some things that we could do to reduce your taxes legally. So you wanna have what we call a tax planner in that area. And I'll just throw out a couple simple tax planning tips. So one that a lot of entrepreneurs can use is 280A, it's called the Augusta Rule. And rather than explaining the whole story where it's called after, it's really named after Augusta, Georgia because of the Masters Golf Tournament, which was just played. So that's an interesting conversation, but maybe for another day. But what it allows you to do is you can rent your home to anyone for up to 14 days a year. It's also true for vacation properties and other types of situations. But the reason why that's important to an entrepreneur is you have a business that's separate from you. So you can rent your home to your business for up to 14 days a year. It's tax deductible to the business, it's tax-free income to you. So that's a very easy win that everybody could do. And often that saves entrepreneurs between 20 and $50,000 a year, depending on what kind of home you own and what kind of area you live in. Uh, so tax planning is really important. I think knowing your numbers is also part of the grow piece. So knowing what are the critical drivers for cash flow on your P&Ls and making it easy to monitor and improve those critical drivers. Often we see entrepreneurs who are always focused on top line revenue, grow, 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 but they forget the profit margins. And they also forget that there are some areas that may be growing very fast with slim profit margins. Other areas, if they paid more attention and spent more time and money on, would grow faster, but have much bigger profit margins. And it's just because they don't know their numbers. So I'd say under the grow, it's really important to know your numbers. And then lastly, under grow, have a plan for growing wealth outside of your company, because often entrepreneurs are thinking that their company is the most important thing. And it is usually about 80 or 90% of their net worth. But if you're not gradually siphoning money off and putting in them in areas like real estate, stocks and bonds, 
private equity owning other companies, or even cryptocurrency for some entrepreneurs to a small degree or precious metals or any of those things. But siphoning money out of your business, so you're building wealth outside of your business. So that like I say in my book, you can eventually get enough money outside your business where you could turn on income that would replace your business. Now you have true freedom, whether your business fails or not, whether you get tired of running your business or not. Once you have that built, you have true freedom. I love that. And everybody, I hope you were listening to that. Go back, listen to it again, take notes. Cause that was basically a checklist to save you tens of thousands of dollars. If not much, much more, if you're, if you're further along in the, in the business journey. So thank you so much, Jim, for, for bringing that to the table. So um, you also have an assessment that people can take to help them with this stuff, right? So can you let us know where to find that? If you go to makerichreal.com, makerichreal.com, we have a nine question quiz that will help you evaluate where you are in your wealth planning. And under each section, so we've got three questions for protect, three questions for manage, and three questions for grow. Once you complete the three questions for protect, then based on your score, I put together a little advice about, hey, here's probably where you are. Here are a couple of things you need to be thinking about under your protect section. And I've done that for all three of those sections. And once you're done with that, you can answer a few other questions if you choose. And if you qualify, we might even do a strategy session together. But really, no matter who you are, or where you are, do the nine question quiz. I think you'll find that very useful, no matter what. Yeah, 100%. So make sure you go check that out. It's at makerichreal.com. So go check that out, fill out the quiz, no matter where you're at. Um, and also, Jim is opening it up to be able to actually schedule a time with him if you're qualified. So make sure you actually go through there and intentionally do this. Skip the checklist now, go do that. <laughs> He's got it for you. So go check it out at makerichreal.com. And Jim, thanks so much for coming on today, man. I've appreciated it. You, you do a great job on this podcast and I appreciate all that you're doing for entrepreneurs. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.